that exciting? How fun that's going to be. So be praying with us. Be praying that God will speak in and through um, the churches on that night. Uh, that's a Wednesday night. We will actually forego our Wednesday night worship and prayer service because our entire staff is going to go volunteer and help speak into these students' lives. Um, but if you want to be a part of that, let us know. If you want to financially support it, let us know. Um, but more importantly, please, every one of us can do this. Pray. Pray. Amen? Amen. All right, let's jump right into this morning's message. I'm so excited about today because today we're going we're gonna to take a few moments. We're just going to be real. We, we've spent the last four weeks talking about messy. Loving others isn't easy. We've talked about the fact that we are supposed to love the difficult or even invest in the messy. And that's not always easy, right? But what happens when the one that's truly messy is us. What does the Bible have to say about when we get ourselves in predicaments and mess? Can God use messy people? Or, or is it just the, the clean and the crisp and the, and the pristine and those that are on the right path 24-7 and those that, that never fail and those that never mess up? Are those the only one that God can use and the messy people are just thrown off and, and are no use and no help and no benefit to the kingdom of God. Let me be honest with you. The real reason that the church is messy is not because we're letting those people in. The real reason the church is messy is not because we're letting the messy people in. The real reason why the church is messy is because you and I are here. Let me say that again because some of you haven't let that wrap around you this morning. The reason the church is messy is because you and I showed up. And if we're truly honest with ourselves, we're a bit messy. We don't always do things the way they need to be done. We don't always say things the way they need to be said. We don't always go and do what we're supposed to do. We're just messy. But here's the great news for you and for me. God specializes in working in and through the messy. I got one person that almost got excited. I mean, I had a... I mean, they weren't committed to the excitement. It wasn't quite a, a go crazy, but they were... Amen. God specializes in taking our mess-ups and turning them around to great things for Him. Let's look at what the psalmist David had to say in Psalm chapter 40, verse 17. Now remember, David was a mess. David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. But yet David is also the one that the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. David was a mess that God was able to use. And look what he has to say. Psalm 40, 17. And me? I'm a mess. I am nothing and have nothing. Anybody else relate to David this morning? And me? I'm a mess. I am nothing. I have nothing. Make something of me. He's calling out to God. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes. But God, don't put it off. 
God, you see the mess that I'm in. You see the, the, all the muck and the mire that I'm stepping in right now. And God, and I pray right now that, that you will take me and place me on a brand new level. God, by myself and in my own attempts and my own efforts, God, there's no way that I'm going to get beyond this mess. But Lord, I know that with you, I can make it to a brand new place. Is that your heart's cry today? See, the word messy by definition is simply this, extremely unpleasant or trying. Are, are there times in your life when you find yourself extremely unpleasant or trying? There's all sorts of disorder in your life. Maybe your spiritual life is untidy. Maybe your relational life is just a disaster. Maybe the choices that you make have cluttered your life and you have all sorts of struggle. I want you to listen very carefully this morning. God has not given up on you. I want you to grab a hold of that no matter how messy your life may be. God has not given up on you. You may be here this morning and if you were honest with yourself, you've given up. You've given up on trying to clean up your life. You've thrown in the towel. You said there's no hope. I want you to understand this morning, you're not the first person in this world that's been messy. From the very beginning of time, people have made wrong choices. From the very beginning of time, people have found themselves in messy situation, yet time and time and time again, God in all of His faithfulness continues to step in and be our supply. I want to take just a few moments and I want to share with you a few individuals. Now please understand, this is not an all-inclusive list. This is simply a snippet or a small percentage of the messy people in the Bible. The first is Adam. Do you remember Adam, the first man ever created? He was disobedient to God, yet he took no responsibility. His home life was very dysfunctional. His wife had no self-control. His son killed his other son. Dysfunction ran through his family. Noah, the last righteous man on earth at his time, was found drunk and naked in a tent. Abraham was deceptive on two different occasions and, and let other men be with his wife. Moses, the Bible says, is the humblest man on earth. But Moses had temper issues. Samson could not resist women. David, called a man after God's own heart, was an adulterer and a murderer. Gideon had no self-confidence whatsoever. In fact, Gideon referred to himself as the runt of the family. Yet God used him to win a mighty battle. Paul was a zealot against Jesus, against Christianity, persecuting Christians at any given chance and any given moment. Yet much of our New Testament is written by Paul because God radically changed his life. Peter, a man that was once lacking courage, could not even stand up to a teenage girl, yet God used him in miraculous ways and many hearts and lives came to know Christ because of his faithfulness. This is just a glimpse of the few messy situations. 
the few messy people that God was able to use despite the situation and the lack of order and the mess they found themselves in. So this morning, for the next few moments, I want to dive into this idea of what happens when we're the messy people. Maybe you're here for the very first time, or maybe you've been coming to Bethel Assembly for quite a while. But I want you to sit back and I want you to picture yourself. Maybe you see yourself in that messy place right now. Every step that you take, every time you think you have an advance forward, you've got two or three or four steps back. One mess after another. But I want you to know this morning that God's grace is bigger than any failure in your life. Listen carefully. God's grace is bigger than any failure in your life. God's grace is greater than the mess and the disorder and the dysfunction and the struggles and the problems that you find yourself in. So this morning, very quickly, I want to look at two observations of God's grace. I encourage you, take good notes this morning. Because maybe right now you don't find yourself in a mess, but Monday morning's coming. A mess for you is just around the corner. How do I know that? Because we are people and we are messy. Two observations. Number one, Jesus never said Get it together first. People say that. Oh, if they really want God to do something in their life, and they need to get their life straightened out. They need to begin to do the right thing. They need to begin to make right choices. They need to get themselves out of this mess. Or we say, well, one of these days when I get myself right, when I get myself all together, when I get on the right path, when everything is going smooth, then I'll come to God. But that's just the opposite of what Jesus said. He never, ever, 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 ever said, get yourself right first and then come to me. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. Here's my translation. Come to me, all of you messy people. Come to me with all of your junk. Come to me with all of your dysfunction. Anybody dysfunctional in the house, don't raise your hand. Some of you were like, woohoo! I mean, you've already taken out your dictionary, you found the word dysfunction, and you plastered your picture right there. But the good news is, Jesus is talking to you. He says, come to me with your dysfunction. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Man, how often when we're going through the mess do we find ourselves just longing for some sort of rest? But there's always this turmoil. There's always this struggle. There's a hurting in our hearts. 
There's a worry in our mind. We can't seem to find the rest because we're so anxious and so disturbed by all the chaos going around. We, we just can't seem to settle in. But God says, come to me with all of that. And I will give you rest. Now, now here's the good news. You don't have to do this by yourself. Well, when I get everything right, when I do this, when, no. Just come to Him. Just give it to Him. Let God take care of it. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give you is light. Have you ever felt like nothing in your life was working out right? That it was just one big mess after another. Now, some of you, some of you, you have been really enjoying this series so far because it focused on everybody else. They're the mess ups, they're the trouble, they're the problem, they're the dysfunction, they're. But today, we've got to focus inward. In fact, what I want you to do is we're going to take a moment and grade ourselves on a school scale A, B, C, D, and F. I'm not really sure where E went, but F, A, B, C, D, F. So maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I am just knocking it out of the park. There is no struggle in my life. Everything is smooth sailing. I am just doing great. I'm making wise choices every day. I never falter. I never fail. I never struggle. Then you get an A. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I think I'm pretty average. I'm pretty much like everyone else, or majority of the people in the room. There's some dysfunction from time to time. I, I, I step into some things I don't need to step into. I get into some things I don't need to get into from time to time. But, but I'm working my way forward. I would say I'm a solid C. Or maybe you're here and you say, yeah, I'm dragging the bottom. I'm the one that's hoping for a good class curve because I am just not doing real well at all. In fact, I feel like a failure. I feel like there's no hope. And I've got an F. I am failing this thing called life. Here's some good news. God specializes in taking the mess of your life and transforming it into the greatness of His. God specializes in, in taking the mess of your life and transforming it into the greatness of His. He never said, get cleaned up and then come to me. He said, bring your messy life. Bring all of your struggles. Bring all of your difficulties. And give them to me. He says, we'll walk side by side. I want to take just a moment. I want to break apart this scripture. Matthew chapter 11. The first thing that I see occurring here is this. Jesus welcomes us junk and all. That's good news. That's good. That, that should have been a moment when somebody waved a white hanky in the air because you were excited. Somebody else slapped their mama. I mean, somebody just couldn't control themselves. Somebody gave more than just a one-time patty cake. I mean, you were super excited because Jesus doesn't require you to be perfect. He says, come to me with all of your junk, 
I want to experience all of you. He says, come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. This shows me that he does not want, not, not just for us to come to him, but come to him with all that we are. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of our mess. The key is simply this. God desires for us to come. To, to offer ourselves to Him. Romans chapter 12 says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Some of us, some of us, we're not really even sure there's a heartbeat, but I promise you, you give it to God, He's going to resuscitate what is once dead, and He's going to give life. For God has come to give you life. Jesus came to give you life, not just an average life, not that C life, or even an F life, not a D life, not a B life, but God came to give you an A life. God came to give you life and more abundantly. He asks today that you come and give it to him, junk and all. Jesus takes our mess and makes it rest. Jesus takes our mess and he makes it rest. He says, if you will just give me your mess-ups, your burdens, your weariness, your hang-ups, if you will just give it to me, I will give you in return rest. Some of you haven't had rest in ages. There's a worry constantly going on in your life. There's doubt continuously stirring inside of you. Some of you have allowed guilt to run rampant inside of you. But unless I'm reading the Bible wrong, these aren't the characteristics that God has for you. Galatians says that the Holy Spirit produces this inside of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nowhere in there do I see strife, concern, worry, doubt, Grief. I don't see any of these things going on. Why? Because we've given those to God and in place, He places inside of us the characteristic of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But all we've got to do is give our problems to Him. Yeah. Yet for some reason or another, we hold on to Him. Well, when I get my life right, then I'll receive those from God. No. He says, come to me with all of your junk. Give me all of your unrest. Give me all of your messiness. Give me your problems, your hurts, your hang-ups, your concerns. And in return, I'll give you rest. Jesus shares the load with us. In fact, Roman, uh, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus said this, take my yoke upon you. It's a farming term. You're sharing the, the work. What does it mean? It simply means that we don't have to face it all by ourselves. Have you ever noticed that when you're working on a project, oftentimes you can get a whole lot more done with somebody working side by side with you? 
When someone to help you to carry the load, sometimes that's just simply verbally communicating and processing through. Maybe you're just sharing ideas, but other times it's all hands on deck. Some of you are at a place in life right now where it's all hands on deck. You need all the reinforcement that you can get. You are just a mess. Jesus says, that's what I want to do. Let's share this yoke. Let's move through life together. Let's process together. We see this occurring over and over and over again in the Bible. Numerous lives that God takes that from this place of distress into a place of blessing with Him. Sometimes these individuals didn't even realize that they were a mess. Did you know that there are some, and maybe you're here in the house today, maybe you're watching online, and, and you don't even realize that you're a mess? Do you remember watching Charlie Brown and there was a guy named Pigpen? I don't think Pigpen realized that he was a mess. I mean, everywhere he stepped, it was dust, dirtiness, messiness. Some of us are Pigpen. We're just walking around in our stench. We're walking around in our struggle. And we justify our behavior by saying, well, it's just life. It's just the, the, the deck I was, I was handed. It's just the life that I was given. But I want you to know that's not the life that God has for you. God says, come to me with your mess. Come to me with the junk that you were dealt. And I will give you rest. We're looking at lives that, that God transformed. I remember a guy by the name of Paul. Do you remember, remember Paul? Paul, formerly known as Saul, uh, he was a mess. Uh, prior to his encounter with Jesus, he did not even realize that he was a mess. In fact, he was a zealot against Christianity. Ultimately, he was a zealot against Jesus. He would look for any and every opportunity to persecute a follower of the way, those that followed after Jesus. He didn't realize that he needed a life change until the encounter that he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. I don't have time to tell you the entire story, but suddenly there was a transformation in Paul's life. God radically changed him. And now in 1 Peter chapter 1, we read this. Paul is writing, and he says, Jesus, or Christ Jesus came into the world to save the messy. It says sinners, but I think we can interject messy. Jesus came into the world to save the sinners. And I am the worst of them all. I'm the pig pen. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience, even the worst sinners. Paul says Jesus came for the sole purpose of reaching into the life of the messy. Jesus came with the sole purpose of stepping right into the midst of my struggle and my hurt and picking us up and giving us a new way and giving us a new hope and turning us a new direction. He says, look at my life. I was the worst of them all. But because of God's grace, 
He took me. And now as an example, I can speak into the life of the worst sinners. God took Paul out of a mess of life and placed him on a brand new path. And I believe that he wants to do that in your life today. Next, Jesus teaches as he cleans. I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a visual, hands-on type of guy. If I'm going to learn something, I need somebody to, to walk side by side and lead me as I'm diving right into the midst. I don't work as well with just like an a instruction manual. I'm more of a, hey, let's do this together. Let me learn how this works. Let me process through this. The good thing for me, and I really think ultimately the good thing for you, is that's how Jesus works also. He says, you know what? Let me partner up with you. Let me show you how all of this works. This thing that we call life, we don't have to meander through by ourselves. Because here's what I've learned. Sometimes it's easier if God would just, God, I need your help right now. Boom, we're changed. That would be easier, right? God, I find myself in a mess right now. Boom, we're in a new place. God, I'm struggling. No, not any longer. God, there's grief, no, not any longer. There's distress, not any longer. There's dysfunction, not any longer. That would be easier. But here's what I've discovered. We don't really learn as much. We learn more in the process than we do the immediate. In our everyday life, in our relational life, in our spiritual life, we learn a lot more in the process than we ever do the immediate. Jesus says, come to me. All that are weary, all that are carrying heavy burdens. And as I place that yoke upon both of our necks and, and we begin to walk through this thing called life together, you're going to find that as you've handed me all of that dysfunction and that mess, and I place this new burden on you, that it's so much lighter, and you learn so much more along the way. You see, Jesus never said, get it all together first. But he said, come to me. Give me your struggles. Give me your hurts. And I'll give you rest. The second thing I see is this. When you are not enough, God always is. When you are not enough, and guess what? That's the maturity of the time. Am I the only one? Because I got zero response there. How many of you in the house today, and you can raise your hand on this, would admit and say, yeah, there's a lot of times when I'm just not enough? Yeah, all across the house. Why? Because we fall short. The Bible says we all fall short. We all sin. We all mess up. We all fail to achieve God's glorious standard. That's why we need Jesus. When we fall short, when we're not enough, God always is. Maybe you find yourself walking in front of the mirror at your house. And you pause and you look at yourself. He said, who is this person? Who is this person that fails time and time again? 
Maybe you're here and you've even come to the place that you feel like a total waste of space. One big mess after another. Let me say something to you. Welcome to the party. Because by ourselves, not a single one of us can do this. God wants to speak into your life. Here's a great thing I've learned about God. He does not require us to function in this thing called life all by ourselves. We were designed for a relationship with Him. Grab a hold of that. We were designed for a relationship with Him. And when we try to to function on our own, when we try to, to meet all of these standards by ourselves, when we try to measure up on our own, guess what? We are always, always, always going to fall short. I guarantee it. It's impossible to do by yourself. Apart from God, there is always a void. You see, Jesus has come to give us life. He has come to be our everything. He is, in fact, an all-sufficient God. The problem is, the problem that we encounter is when we attempt to accomplish what He has created us to be, yet we fail to tap into Him, the problem is we fall short. We feel like a failure. We find ourselves falling farther and farther and farther away. We can never clean up the mess by ourselves. Here in just a few weeks, we're going to start a a new series that we're going to call Unshakable. And in the midst of this series, we're going to look at the I am moments of Jesus. These, I believe, are the foundation that we can, can rest upon. One of those in which we're going to talk about is found in John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the vine. Look, look how this transpires here. Jesus said this, yes, I am the vine and, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruits. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. So if we stay connected with Him, if we stay uh, plugged in to Him, if we allow Him to take His yoke and place it upon us, and we walk side by side, if we work alongside Jesus, we'll produce much fruit. But just the opposite is also true. But uh, but apart from me, you can do what? If you stay connected, you'll produce much fruit. But apart from Him, oh, what a mess we become. And we find ourselves accomplishing nothing. Nothing seems to work. When we separate ourselves from Him, nothing we attempt on our own will be successful. It will always, every single time, without a doubt, pale in comparison to what it could have been if we allowed Jesus to step in. Peter found that out firsthand. Do you remember Peter? Peter was a mess. There were, there were times that Peter thought he was all that in a box of Cracker Jacks. Peter had walked side by side with Jesus for three and a half years. 
And one particular night, Jesus looked at Peter and he said this, Peter, I hate to tell you this, but, but tonight you're going to deny three times that you even know me. And Peter, in all of his boldness and cockiness, said, who are you kidding? Now this is my paraphrase edition. Who are you kidding? Even if I have to die for you, I will never, never deny you. And he's looking around the room going, guys, what else do you guys have? I'm willing to go to death for this man. I will never deny him. Look at all of my strength. Look at all of my power. But just a few hours later, Peter found himself standing amongst the crowd. One after one, people begin to say, are you one of Jesus' followers? No. No, I don't know the guy. I'm certain that, that you're part of his group because your accent gives no I don't even know him the Bible says the third time he cursed the rooster crows and the Bible says in that moment Jesus and Peter made eye contact could you imagine the reality check in that moment that Peter had he had just a few hours before said, even if I have to die for you. The problem was, Peter was trying to do this by himself. He was trying to accomplish this task on his own. He had moved into his own self-strength. Here's what I want to ask you. In that moment, did Jesus go, Told you so, Peter! No. See, a short time after his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus took the time to repair that connection with Peter. On the day of Pentecost, Peter had joined together with the other followers and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Peter received a greater power, a greater anointing, and God used him in a mighty way. Here is what I've discovered. When we falter, God is always faithful. When we fall short, God will always step in. You don't have to go through this thing called life by yourself. 2 Corinthians says this, and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need, plenty left over to share with others. You know what I see in this? Maybe that grace that God is pouring out on you in the midst of your mess, maybe that abundance of grace that is more than enough Maybe it's there so that you can reach into somebody else that's messy. Maybe it's there so that you can reach in to somebody else that's dysfunctional. Maybe it's there so you can reach out to somebody that's just difficult. God's grace is sufficient. It's all that we need. Philippians 4.19 says, And this same God who takes care of me, Paul is writing, will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which has been given to us through Christ Jesus. Now, I don't think we're only talking about meeting our financial need. 
but I believe that God will supply all that you need in every situation of life. One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. God, my provider. God is our provider. Allow God to be your supply today. Allow Him to pick the pieces up in your life. Allow Him to take you from mess to rest. Allow Him to radically change and transform your life today. I'm going to wrap up with one more scripture, 2 Corinthians. Again, Paul is writing, he says, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness. Some translations say, that's why I rejoice in my weakness. Have you ever rejoiced in your weakness? Not often. Not often. How can Paul say this? How can Paul say, I rejoice in the midst of my weakness. I take pleasure in the midst of my weakness. Because one verse earlier says this, God's power works best in my weakness. God's power works best when I'm a mess. So I take pleasure in weakness, in the insults, the hardships, the persecution, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's when we come to Him. With all of our mess, with all of our junk, with all of our burdens, all of our unrest, it's when we lay it before Him that suddenly we find the strength to move on. Would you pray with me today? God, I pray right now for this congregation. Lord, would you speak into our hearts? Lord, would you help us to truly be honest in our evaluation of self today? Lord, I believe there are many that are a mess. And we need you. Lord, speak into our hearts right now. In Jesus' name. you stand with me across the house? I'm going to ask every one of my prayer partners to come. I need every prayer partner, every leader that I have in the room today. Every prayer partner, every leader. I need you right now. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Today we've been talking about we are the messy ones. We've been talking about what does God do with that